Welcome to Date Night at the Movies. Or How I Spent My Babysitter Money. I'm Jess. I'm Jordan. And this week we're talking Star Wars, Wars The Rise, Rise of, of Skywalker. Skywalker. Oh, we almost had a perfect sync at the end. I messed it up on purpose. I'm that, sorry. That is okay. Um, yeah, this is this is a real outlier in our typical format. Because, you know, we talked about, we were recording this right after we recorded Cats, depending on what order. Uh, you did. We're doing this on New Year's Eve. Uh, so these are literally the last two episodes we're recording for 2019. Um, and then we, and then when you get back from your upcoming job, there are a couple movies we want to see, but we also have to recap the year, and we kind of have to recap the decade, too. Yeah, we've got lots of stuff to conquer. Yeah. Um, but uh, we saw this movie on Christmas Day, and yeah. then we wanted to go see it again before we did the episode, but that just didn't end up happening. So we're doing the episode after we've had a week to marinate on it. Yeah, um, which is kind of fun. Yeah, we've done it. We've done that before. Uh, well, but so we've seen it again. We've seen a movie again. Yeah. So like we did Fantastic Beasts last year, and uh, and we saw it with your parents on Thanksgiving weekend. And then we, a few days later, we went and saw it again and then uh, did the episode on it. Yeah. So it was still able to be fresh, even though we were able to marinate on it. And that might be why that's a more honest episode than it would have been had we recorded it that night. And we've said this a million times. I'm really glad we did it for that movie. Yeah, because that movie, after the fact, was... Well, you all know our our thoughts on it. Yeah. Um, so we have recorded an episode about there are thoughts... And I wouldn't say that this movie is magicable. No, but I regretted nothing about this movie. No, I thought it was just fine. How many, uh, we want to do lightsabers or BB-8s? Lightsabers. How many lightsabers would you give this movie? I'd give it a solid four. I'm going to give it four as well. I thought about going higher, but I think if I'm being objective about it, it's probably going to be around four. Yeah, I would give it a solid four. There's some things and I'm just like, I don't know why they did that. I do like that it's not quite as um, the first, the... The, I guess this would be the se- the seventh movie. What was the seventh? Uh, the Force Awakens was the seventh. Force Awakens. Force Awakens was Callback City, right? Right. Um, that move. This movie didn't do that. Yeah, which I'm gonna be honest. I love the Force Awakens. I think it might I be. Do too. It might be one of my favorite Star Wars movies. I really like Force Awakens. I'm just saying. Totally. There's yeah. some things in this movie that I was like, did they need to do that? Well. I mean, this is and this is kind of like talking about cats. We all know the behind-the-scenes stuff on this movie, and probably a lot of places where Disney felt they needed to course correct. Um, I oh, have, for for Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, I don't know a lot of the drama. Well, a lot of it is, has to do with the drama of uh, the Last Jedi and Solo. Which I, I mean, we've said this until we're blue in the face. I don't know why everyone hates Solo so much. No, it is a perfectly fun, perfectly fine movie. It's fine. Yeah, I haven't rewatched it again, but. I can see wanting to. I mean, if it was on and mm-hmm. everybody's like, come sit down. I don't yeah. see myself going, no. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, why? No, I would go, oh, sure. To me, it's like a lesser Indiana Jones movie. Yeah. It's on It's on that level. Yeah. I don't necessarily see myself raring to watch Kingdom of the Crystal Skull again, but I'm sure I would watch it and enjoy it if, I, if it was on. It, and, and people hate Crystal Skull. It's like, right. did you? Well, and a lot of a lot of where this, the backlash from this movie came from before it even started was the fact that people had such strong reactions to the Last Jedi, um, which I I have like I said I really like the Last Jedi. I think it's telling. It's the only one I've only seen twice. 
But overall, I really like it, and I like a good 75% of the things that Ryan Johnson took a swing on. And we talked about this, uh, or I guess we recorded it a a couple weeks ago. It's going to be coming out next week when you're listening to this, is for Knives Out. Ryan Johnson is a very strong filmmaker. Yes. uh, And he's a fantastic storyteller. And he took some swings that he knew weren't going to be popular, but he went with it anyway. That's why I like The Last Jedi so much. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, the things I didn't like about the Last Jedi were the prequely moments, like yeah. But, but I mean, like, but the casino stuff. I will say, and I've said this until I'm blue in the face, um, that there needed to be either it needed to be more mm-hmm. or less. Yeah, where the, the casino scene for me, uh, the casino planet plot line for me brought two important things to the movie. Is when uh, beneath, and spoiler alert for Star Wars Last Jedi. Uh, when Benicio del Toro betrayed them, and then uh, he talks about how like there is no good, there's no evil, there's just what you do in the moment, and then where Rose is just like you're gonna regret this, and he looks back and he's like maybe, and then just walks away. That was a really great moment. Yeah. And then the very last scene uh, where you know where Luke's sacrifice kind of inspired hope in everybody, and then you see the little boy force grab the broom. I loved that, and I did too. that is something I wish they would have done a little more of on this movie. But again. I think Disney got so freaked out by the reaction of Solo and Last Jedi that they decided to play it pretty safe with this movie. It was super safe. It yeah. was super middle of the lane. But here was something cool. So, well, actually, you need to rate it first. Okay. You said four, but... Yeah. Um, I mean, basically, the things that we said, it was comfortable. Um, it was comfortable. It was yeah. fine. Yeah. Uh, I, I can see the cracks in lightsaber choreography at this point. Also because I just live with you. Uh-huh. Um, I, thought, <laughs> I thought the music was great. I don't think that there was anything... I, I didn't really hear a whole lot of new stuff in there, but I thought it did a perfect job of bringing nine movies together. And yeah. it's not like the Marvel movies... Over were, 40 years. Yeah. Like Marvel movies, especially with music, they tend to just kind of like... They'll get Alan Silvestri and be like, okay, we want to use your Avengers theme. And then, oh, can you incorporate Black Panther in here? Because that was really big last year. And then that's about it. This one incorporated themes back in from everything. Yeah. Um, There were a couple of things that I didn't like, but they're hard for me to judge. And we'll talk about that as we go. Um, Before we move on, uh, what else happened uh, on this day in film history? You said you had something else that you hadn't read. Yes. So, well, I'm doing... um uh, December 25th when oh, we yeah, saw yeah, yeah, yeah. it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Jordan and I bought our whole family tickets. Yes, we did. My sister even came, like, called, texted me at the last minute being like, hey, so I don't have any, anywhere going on on Christmas. Uh, can I go see Star Wars with you? I was like, oh, man, let me see if there's a ticket left. And there just happened to me. I was like, yeah, get at our house at, you know, an hour before it starts because we're going to be there 45 minutes before it starts to make sure we can all sit together. And we did. And then we did. Um... Which, this is interesting. In 1741, uh-huh. astronomer Anders Celsius introduced centigrade temperature. Well, there we go. So there's something like that. Um, oh, there we go. Uh, 1962, To Kill a Mockingbird, a film adaptation of the novel by Harper Lee, directed by Robert Mulligan and starring Gregory Peck, is released. On Christmas Day. In, uh-huh. And Gregory Peck uh, won Best Actor for the Academy Awards in 1963. Well, yeah. And he talked about movies that people say are ruined, or anything that's ruined by sequels, To Kill a Mockingbird. He has a sequel. Well, 
Yeah, don't you remember it came out a couple years ago? It was Ghost at a Watchman. Uh, and Atticus Finch is uh, giving speeches to the Klan or something like that. Dumb. Yeah. Dumb, dumb, dumb. Mm-hmm. Um, and in music, in 1896, Stars and Stripes Forever was written by John Philip Sousa. I can only think of 30 Rock when I think John Philip Sousa. When he's trying to have as uh, Jack Donaghy, Alec Baldwin, is trying to have as asexual of a date with Julianne Moore's character, which, I mean, I don't imagine how you would do that, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> <coughs> yeah, still still carrying a torch for Julianne Moore 22 years later. And I don't think I'll ever stop. I'm sorry, Jess. Should I get dye my hair red again? I mean, I'm not going to stop you. Any- I think I'm going to go blonde. I think you should. I've never seen you blonde. I've never pictured you blonde. I I've would- got the blonde wig. Yeah. Well, I've seen you in blonde wig. Yeah. Anyway, uh, he's trying to keep the date asexual. And he's like, you know what I love after too much Indian food? John Philip Sousa. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of, we didn't bring up 30 Rock in our Cats episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think there were just too many thoughts going around. Essentially, if you haven't seen Cats or listened to our episode yet, or if you already have, um, just imagine. So in 30 Rock, basically, the reason the Cats musical... Oh, that's Kimmy Schmidt. Oh, is it Kimmy Schmidt? Because mm-hmm, it's Titus who does that. Oh, well, okay. Anyway, uh-huh. 30 Rock extended um, in a different universe. Um, Technically the same universe, because Mikey the construction worker was in 30 Rock as well. Was he? Yes, he was. That's awesome. I hope you've enjoyed our 30 Rock podcast. We're big fans. Yeah. Um, th- so basically, it's Cats is just a musical with people who dress up and they get on stage and mm-hmm. they just never leave the musical yeah. and they're in Cats. That's how Cats is cast. Yeah. Anyway, we should probably start talking about Star Wars. Somewhere. Well, uh, housekeeping, we've got Today in Film History, which was December 25th, and we've got A Dog at the Podcast. Uh, we are, again, recording this on New Year's Eve. There's big boom booms outside. So we have a very quiet Charlie. Madison has been in my lap, but she is now upstairs barking at the boom booms. Yeah, and we're just going to let her go because we're not going to be the loudest thing in this neighborhood. No. Um, there she is. Uh, yeah, so let's talk Star Wars then. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. I'll let you keep going. Do you know what I'm thinking of? Uh, no. And this is uh, Ross Geller whenever he convinces Rachel to dress up like Princess Leia. Oh, yeah. And he's in bed going, that's funny. Um, I mean, it's. Oh, so what I was going to say earlier, something that's really cool my mom and my dad saw the very first Star Wars in theaters. Mm -hmm. And um, my uncle uh, had come home um, from from seeing Star Wars and was like, everyone, get in the car right (laughs) now. Get in the car right now. You were going to go see this movie. And THX was brand new. And my dad said that when you see the uh, Imperial Sky... Uh, yeah, the uh, Star Destroyer. Star Destroyer come out from the from the top of the theater. Everybody, he said, everybody in the theater just looked up. Yeah, just being like, "What is that? Mm-hmm. What?" And 
my and then to bring them to the theater to see the last one. Yeah. Which we've taken them to see most of them over the years. Yeah. I don't we didn't take them to see Force Awakens. Uh we took, they have seen it though. Yeah, we went and saw that again with my mom and sister. That's right. Um we took them to see Rogue One. Yes. Uh and then uh, Oh, we took them to see Rogue One in a Dolby theater. Oh yeah, where they have like where they have like Dolby Atmos, which is like seventy speakers around the around. Yeah, the and theater. when you walk into the theater, so at least at the Burbank sixteen, you walk in and like it's a whole experience walking into yeah. the theater. My dad still talks about that. Yeah. Um but that was cool. So that they both I mean, these these people who've been watching this movie since they were what, sixteen or seventeen years old? Yeah. They for them to go Yeah, I liked that. Yeah. The, I mean, these are people who've enjoyed these movies for a very long time. And I thought that was cool. I didn't really hit me until we were in the theater with everybody. And they were just like, to realize, like, there's probably multiple people in that theater yeah, as well who've been watching these movies on the big screen yeah, for a long, long time. Yeah. I mean, Star Wars is always an experience, you know, going yeah. to see it in theaters. You know, I remember when the prequels came out. Uh, my dad was filming a live concert video at the Ryman Auditorium in Nashville. And he got off stage, finished what he had to do, and then he took my sister and I to go see uh, Phantom Menace at midnight. Oh, cool. And he took us to see the second one at midnight, too. And then uh, the third one, he was out of town for, but uh, still went and saw it at midnight. Uh, but yeah, I I really enjoyed it. So this one, it's directed by J.J. Abrams. It was originally supposed to be directed by Colin Trevorrow, who did uh, Jurassic World, uh, and <laughs> then did the Book of Henry, and then magically was l- removed from the Star Wars movie. Yeah, uh, I still want to see that movie to see if it's as bad as everybody says. But um, but he and Derek Connolly, who's a screenwriting partner. They still have story by credit on here. And then J.J. Abrams and Chris Terrio, who uh, won an Oscar for Argo, uh, they wrote it. I do love Argo. Argo is a pretty good movie. I almost watched it the other night. Yeah, well, I'd watch it again, so wait on me. Yeah, I think it was, uh, you were working and I was working, but I wanted to watch a movie. I watched Saving Mr. Banks instead. Well, that's a very good one, too. Um, But yeah, so, should probably talk about the elephant in the room, which is... uh, the fact that they had to reuse footage for Carrie Fisher. Yeah. Um, now, uh, if you hear barking, it's just Madison barking, and I'm honestly just not going to stop her. Yeah, it's fireworks. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, again, we both really like this movie, and the things that it's like, well, I didn't love, it's one of those, it's like, well, what are you going to do yeah. about it? Because this is so iconic, so I, you know, I think we're going to be pretty... We're going to be pretty tame on this movie. Yeah, because... If you want to hear us get out of sorts, go listen to Cats. Go listen to Cats. Go listen to Holmes and Watson. Yeah, Holmes and Watson. Is um, if you want to hear me get mad, go listen to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. If you want to hear Jordan Spiral, go listen to The Grinch. <laughs> uh, we've got some winners for you. Mm-hmm. I just think that also, too, I think give credit where credit is due. J.J. Abrams does things with a lot of care. Yeah. I, I heard somebody describe J.J. Abrams as a uh, as a pop a populist auteur. Okay, what's that mean? So, like, that's a J.J. Abrams movie. Like, David Lynch is an auteur. You know, you can his fingerprints are all over it. Uh, at least that's the way I think these people meant this particular uh, compliment. Sure. But J.J. Abrams is 
a populist. He wants to make popcorn movies. Um, yeah. Think about the movies that he's made. Mission Impossible 3, which was one of the most accessible Mission Impossible movies. Yeah, because you, you at least know what the hell's going on. Yeah. Um, then he goes from... Mission Impossible 3, you know, he spends some time doing doing some more TV, like with Lost and everything like that. And then he goes to... Lost. Oh, yeah. Then he does Star Trek, which was the first super populist Star Trek movie. And then he does the second Star Trek, which I don't love. In between there, he did Super 8, which is a really solid movie. But that's just him aping Spielberg, who, again, is a populist auteur. Yeah. Uh, he does Super 8. Then he does... Uh, Madison's about to jump up in Jessica's lap again, so that's where noise is coming from. You okay? Yeah. Can you reach your mic stand? Yeah, she just punched me in my crotch. Ugh. <laughs> um, and then he goes on and does Star Wars. So I, after they got rid of Colin Trevorrow, uh, a lot of people were just like, oh, you should have Ryan Johnson do it. And then he came out and said, no, it was never, it was never a possibility for me to do uh, episode nine. So they brought J.J. Abrams back in, which does make me wonder what J.J. Abrams episode eight would have been. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I'm glad, again, I'm glad we got Last Jedi in there. Um, But they obviously brought him in, A, because he did a great job with Force Awakens, but B, because he knows how to make just popular, popular movies, and he makes some safe choices whenever it comes to those, you know? Well, he, I think he understands, it's, you, you can see his love for things, Mm -hmm. because he gets what the, what a middle, like a... A big fan will be. He's mm. not, these movies aren't for the people who read all the books. Right. I think there's things in there for them. Being Me being a Star Wars fan that didn't read all the books. I love Star Wars. Mm-hmm. I I don't loathe the prequels no, we, at, at a level of loathing as a lot of people. We started watching the prequels uh, back in LA. We only got to episode one, but I remember both of us were just like, it's not great, but like it holds up better than you would expect it to. Yeah. And like, um, my sister-in-law was asking me, she was just like asking me about the, the lightsaber fights in this one. And I was like, well, it's, it's not episode three. Mm-hmm. Which is a, you could tell, I'm like, by the time episode three came, came along, I'd already started, I'd started studying sword play just in mm-hmm. general. And I was like, this is long for the sake of being long. Yeah. It's not, nobody's fighting. They're just moving. And, um, and for, for this movie, for Rise of Skywalker, um, I felt like we, j- there was just a little misconnection in the choreo. I felt like, um, there was some, t- like, people's parries were getting there before their attack was finished. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you want to make the argument of, oh, they're both equally good fighters and they could telegraph it and whatnot, but that's not good storytelling in your fights. Right. So the the fight, the storytelling in the fights themselves was not super clear, but was not bad. So my response was, well, it wasn't episode three. Yeah. I can see the fault. But if, if the general mass can tell what the fight is, mm-hmm. then... I have nothing. I have no room to speak. Right, like, like you don't go see a movie like this, and Star Wars somehow got co-opted by people who I think wanted it to mean a lot more than it actually meant, and maybe part of that is just because Empire Strikes Back was such a bold movie. Uh, yeah, and that did set the tone. Even though, really, if you think about it, that's kind of the outlier in the whole series. Yeah, you know, everything else is a lot more just like adventure movie. So you, but. 
really like Star Wars isn't about like you know being super intellectual. It's not about showing off like oh this is what I can do and this this is what I can do with that. Except for special effects, essentially, because they've always been pushing special effects to the forefront. But yeah. but the fights were still enjoyable, even though you could tell what was going on. Like you you could telegraph it. You know. Yeah. No, it's enjoyable. The the. I feel like the stunt work is consistent with the world. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like cats where all of a sudden all the, everybody's flipping flying and you don't know why. And yeah, and like the movement was clear. Things were jarring when they were supposed to be jarring, and they were beautiful and and soft when they needed to be. Like this is just stunts. Yeah. So like the the amount of care in that amount of storytelling is special. And again, to go back to like I think J.J. Abrams understands what this what the general fan wants. Mm-hmm. He knows what. They want, and there was still some surprises. Yeah, um, I wouldn't say there's twists and turns, but they also needed to wrap it the f up. Yeah, and and that's the that's the thing too. You have to wrap up, uh, you know, forty years worth of movies essentially. Yeah, and one thing, um, one of my friends Joel said about this is that he said, "I loved Rise of Skywalker, but it made me appreciate the monumental task that Avengers Endgame actually pulled off." Yeah, uh, and I will I will say that is that. Avengers Endgame probably wrapped up a series a little better than this one did. I can see that. I mean, it's hard to judge, too, because, of course, that's not going to be the last Avengers movie. Well, it's not the last Avengers movie. It's not It's not the last, but it's a culmination of a lot of movies. Yeah. Uh, we had, Jordan especially, I was present in this conversation, had a very in-depth conversation with an eight-year-old about Avengers. No, he's ten. Ten. He also asked me if I had worked on any Avengers movie, like if I had written music for it. I'm just like, no, they get people who are a lot more famous than I am. <laughs> uh, so, um, anyway, I basically what was so frustrating about Avengers is Captain America, not Avengers, Captain America, Black Panther. Uh, a lot of these movies. We're like, well, you have to see the next Avenger movie. Like, everything was Avengers. Everything was Avengers. Everything was Avengers. So by the time Infinity War came along and then Endgame, it was like, this better pay off. Because I've not gotten to just go watch a flipping movie in a long time. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, I haven't, other than, like, Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel was her own movie. And then then the... you, you didn't have to know how it wrapped up into everything right. else. The epilogue lets you know that she was going to matter mm-hmm. in Endgame. Right. That was, or was she was she in Infinity War as well? She or was wasn't that Black in Panther? Infinity War. Uh, Black Panther was in Infinity War. No, I know, but she, like you saw, her, maybe that was just the end of Captain Marvel. Oh, yeah, where she meets up with the Avengers. Uh, that was in uh, ca- the end of Captain Marvel. Okay. Uh, at the end of Infinity War, that's whenever uh, Samuel L. Jackson pulls out the pager to call her. That's and right. And then he disappears. That's right. So, so, okay, so we know that, right? That was a lot of frustrating movies. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was 20, and it was heroic. To, to wrap all of that up. Yeah. It's amazing. However, they knew that was going to happen. Right. For Star Wars, they never knew if... They made them out of order. Yeah. They didn't know... There's a lot of, there's a lot of fan fiction. There's a lot of books. Mm-hmm. They didn't know if this was all going to happen. Right. And that you can watch each movie as a movie. 
Yeah, they they catch you up on what you need to catch up on because at the beginning of every Star Wars movie, there's like 20 minutes of exposition. Then you get to go have fun. It's yeah. like playing a new video game. You have to get through those grinding training levels first, you know? And, but they're not grinding. Like, right. you're there, you're present, you see these things. There's always a little action. I mean, the beginning of Rise of Skywalker is action. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a really good space battle. It's a really good space battle, and you see... Or chase scene, I guess it is. Yeah, and then you see... Um, Ray training Ray with Leia. training, and then you see her kind of in the same way that you saw Luke. It's the frustration. Yeah. Real quick, and, let's circle back because I brought up Carrie Fisher and then we just kind of went past well, it. Well, all I want to say is I am a little bit more impressed with the ending of Rise of Skywalker, actually, mm-hmm. than Endgame. Now, here's the thing. I think that I will say that I think Endgame accomplished more of a feat than Rise of Skywalker. Agreed. But I think that Rise of Skywalker, to me, is a little more of an, a satisfying ending. Yeah. And I think from a, a story perspective. And yeah. if I have to. If I have to judge something based upon the athleticism of filmmaking versus a story perspective, then I'm going to go with the story perspective. If I judged everything, like if my goal was like the athleticism of filmmaking or the athleticism of art, then I would do nothing but listen to Steve Vai and watch The Revenant. Oh. That sounds like an awful night. <laughs> it sounds <laughs> awful. I hate The Revenant. I want to rewatch it. Sometime. I don't. I will, trust me, I'm not watching it. Call with you. Jake. We'll, we'll see. Our our buddy Jake. They Jake and Nikki have a podcast. They accidentally have the almost the exact same format that we do. Yeah. But it happened like completely independently. So it just goes to show that we didn't come up with we didn't reinvent the wheel ourselves. No, no, no. But uh, but Jake tends to like really extreme movies, and regardless if he likes them or doesn't like them, he has str- such strong opinions about them that one day I want to get them on the show with us and yeah. do like a crossover episode and be like, okay, see, Jordan's not that bad. Also, Jordan and I really appreciate the art of acting and make believe. Mm-hmm. So when people are like, "I ate liver," I'm like, "Why? Yeah, why? You could have eaten a chocolate bar mm-hmm. and told the story. Like, no, I, I'm not impressed with the amount of pain you went through. Yeah, if you need to do that as an actor and as an artist, Godspeed. Yeah, but don't expect me to sign up for your pity party. Yeah, or your Oscar." Yeah, I mean, Lord have mercy. Let Let's face it. That was his. Uh, that was his. It's about time, Oscar. Touche. Same reason. You think really think Al Pacino should have won for Scent of a Woman over his work in The Godfather? No. Yeah. Well, or even, Denzel winning in uh, Training Day over uh, uh, over Malcolm X. That's true. Yeah. Just that was people being like, we were wrong. I mean, I'm gonna be honest though. I kind of want to see Thomas Newman get his about time Oscar this year. I know. Yeah. Anyway, circling back to Leia. Carrie Fisher. Um, yeah, obviously you can't judge the movie for that because you know Carrie Fisher passed away. Right. Uh, Carrie Fisher actually passed away, and there's a song on an upcoming album of mine that I wrote in response to that. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, now, when okay, because I, my timeline's a little wonky in my brain. Did she die while while they had filmed scenes for this already? Correct. No, no. So then, uh, this will just go go to show how long I've been sitting on this album, but. Uh, <laughs> But she filmed all of her scenes for The Last Jedi uh, and then died right after Christmas in 2016. Gosh, has it been that long? Yeah. And then they did The Last Jedi. So The Last Jedi came out when she was already, she'd already passed and she had just finished filming all of her scenes for it. That's right. Now this movie, they took scenes, they took footage of her from uh, outtakes from The Force Awakens and put that in this movie. 
That's crazy. Yeah. So, and it worked out as good as you could expect it. Now, there's a little bit of, for those of you who also grew up uh, watching South Park, uh, whenever, the, after Isaac Hayes left and they brought Chef back and all they did was reuse like lines of him later on, they always do these things like, oh, so Chef, so now you realize that you can go have your adventure somewhere else, but still come back to your friends here in South Park and you can still come talk to us and be our friend, right? And it just shows him, he's like, yes. <laughs> and that's kind of what like whenever they're talking about oh we found all this great footage of her uh from force awakens and like the the biggest line they had in there was something about like don't tell me what you feel tell me what's happening and then otherwise it's just like no and it's like you didn't find all this footage of her yeah what frustrates the, the only thing that i didn't love about that and i'm uh, uh, what i didn't love about that is because in The Last Jedi, there was an opportunity to to end her story. Yeah. And my least favorite part of that entire movie. Carrie Poppins? When Carrie Poppins, because it looked so bad. Yeah. It looked bad. Uh-huh. Uh, and I and when and her surviving that really didn't change the story or propel it. It, it did because she had a lot going on in the movie after that. Yes, I feel I just feel like it could have creatively taken other ways or ended her story with Han at the end of Last yeah. Jedi. I felt like there was a way to do that mm-hmm. and to almost have her as the force if they needed her voice. Yeah, in this, in some respect, but I, to me, it didn't add a lot. And then. Spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler, 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 spoiler. When they didn't just cover her with the shroud mm-hmm. and she's just there. Yeah. And it was really just her in the beginning. I was just like, I feel I feel like they needed to ask themselves some harder questions. Yeah. But again, I, there's nothing nothing you can okay. You can listen again, you can listen again, you can listen again. Um there's just nothing they could have changed about that. It is what yeah. it is. And I think they handled it fine for what it was. I mean, they were yeah. put in an awful situation, and nobody wanted to do anything that would have been disrespectful to Carrie Fisher. Of course um, not. And you know, and her daughter's in the movie, and her brother was like, he was really involved in making sure that. I mean, I think it all ended up boiling down to her daughter giving approval. But I know that her brother was just like, well, look, I don't want them to do it if it's not going to look good. Right. Um, I honestly expected them to push it forward ten years. And just have like a monument to her somewhere. Um, but they didn't. And I thought, that, again, they handled it as best they could. Now, here's the real casualty of that. In terms of storytelling, obviously we're talking about Carrie Fisher passing away. You know what I mean. You know what I mean. Uh, so apparently, Rose Tico, uh, yeah. somebody timed it. She was only on screen for a minute 37 seconds in this movie. Okay, it had to be really low. Yeah. Also, um, because that sucks because she got so railroaded as a human being. Well, so here's where we're going. And okay, Ke- I'm buckling. Yeah, I'm buckled in. Kelly Marie Tran. I thought that she was great. Uh, she's lovely. She was. She played her part very well. I and, loved her. Yeah. In Last Jedi. I, I want to see her do other things, but of course, she got mercilessly bullied off of Twitter because people didn't like her character. People suck. Yeah. Um, but so a lot of people are just like, oh, so you fed into the trolls and you took her out of the movie. Apparently what happened is J.J. Abrams and Chris Terrio wrote a lot of scenes in her, for her uh, that that ended up being cut out of the movie because 
they were like, well, we wanted to anchor her as being like a big part of the resistance. So she had a lot of scenes with Leia. And apparently oh. there were a lot of scenes between her and Leia that just didn't end up looking good. So they had to cut it out. That sucks. Which, of course, you know, the argument I've seen made and one could make is, well, you had three years between to figure out a better part for her. And, but instead you tied her to a person who's f- with super limited footage that may or may not have worked. I will. Uh, there's two sides to look at that. Uh-huh. One, yes, they had three years and going, this is hit or miss. Let's give her some more scenes or to at least be like, the general said this, mm-hmm. right? And almost her, instead of it being her between her and Leia, yeah. let her be Leia's liaison. Yeah. For like, they could have done that. Mm-hmm. Also, what people fail to realize is three years for a movie of this magnitude mm-hmm. is one minute. Yeah. That's not that much time. Yeah. However, I do agree. Yes. They could have been a lot more creative. Yeah. I think that I, I don't. I hate that they saddled her to such a narrow form of it working or not. Right. Especially going into this. If Carrie Fisher had died during the filming of this, Uh totally different story. Right. They did go into filming knowing this. And, um, And knowing, too, in filmmaking, we always know that something may not work. Mm hmm Like, you know that. Yeah. So... Like, what, what were you... Yeah. Um, but, I mean, again, they handled it the way that they could. Uh, I, I definitely... It definitely felt like she wasn't in the movie much. Yeah. Um, I also felt that she... That Rose could have also taken up... I would have rather seen Rose and Finn make the charge at the end as opposed to Finn and the new character. Oh, yeah. Fli- uh, fl- uh, no, no, no. Uh, Felicity. I can't, no, no, no. Not Felicity. Uh, you remember how Finn and the and the other former uh, stormtrooper, uh, who they met on oh yeah. yeah, had they made the charge at the end? She's like, no, I'm not gonna leave you. I that whole time I was it like, could have totally it been should, Rose. It should have been Rose because she saved his life in the last movie. Should have totally been Rose. Now it's also possible that Rose wouldn't have necessarily done that because uh, she admitted that she loved Finn, and they just never talk about that in this movie. So in the year between these movies taking place, maybe they were just like, oh, I just like you as a friend, and maybe that was awkward. Maybe I don't know. It's hard to say, um, but I agree they could have done a better job. Now. That's really my biggest complaint about the movie. Also, the fact that the whole uh, Emperor Palpatine thing. Uh, there's just there's a couple of throwbacks and people just appearing, mm-hmm. and I don't want to spoil that. We're about almost needing to enter spoiler territory. Yeah, anyway. but basically, some people appearing that I just really had some hard questions. Being like, did that? Did we need to see them? I I think I know which one you're talking about, and I was fine with it. Really? Yeah. Uh. I mean, again. I think that's where the nostalgia factor comes in. Right. I think by that point in the movie, I had given myself to the movie to just entertain me. Yeah. I just, when that person appeared on screen, my thought was, oh, really? Yeah. Like, you couldn't even Yoda him? Yeah. I wish they would have handled him the way that they, they would have brought him back the way that they brought Luke back. Yeah. Or like at the end of uh, the Ewok country, when the dance and you see all the spirits. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I read something interesting about how they handled that at the end of this movie, too. All right. Shall we take a break? Yeah, let's take a break and go into spoilers. And uh, 
If you're new to the podcast, we um, we design the first part to be listened to on the way to the theater. Except if it's cats, because we just tore straight into that one. So sorry. <laughs> Apologies in advance. And then uh, the second part is spoiler territory, so you can continue to listen. Or if you're crazy like us, or if you're like me and you don't care about spoilers, you'll still go see a movie. We'll catch you after the break. Here we go. Have you ever looked at all those Insta celebrities and been like, where do you get your raw jewelry because it's gorgeous? Or where did you get that female empowerment shirt because I need one? But then you think to yourself, I don't wanna go shopping because it's too selfish. What if I could tell you you could get awesome apparel, awesome jewelry, and it gives back? You need to check out Rock's Jewelry Shop. That's right, Rock's, R-O-X. Rock's Jewelry Shop has amazing jewelry, and I just got a shirt that says, those females are strong as hell. Thank you, Kimmy Schmidt. You can check out Rock's Jewelry Shop online, and with code DATENIGHT, you'll get 15% off. So head on over to Rock's, R-O-X, Jewelry Shop.com, code DATENIGHT for 15% off. And we are back. We are deep into spoiler territory for Star, Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. Okay. By the way, so uh, just you doing the Ross and Rachel thing where she comes out dressed in the gold bikini. Um, For one thing, I didn't realize how messed up it was uh, until I got older, but that's always been called Slave Girl Leia. Yeah. And that's always been like, you know, oh, that's the sexy Princess Leia. And it's like, wow, maybe uh, calling her Slave Girl wasn't exactly the healthiest thing for, uh, for a lot of us to grow up with. But uh, somebody had asked Carrie Fisher, I think, uh, I think I'm pretty sure that this is the way it happened. Somebody asked her, well, what am I supposed to tell my daughter when you come out there in that gold bikini uh, as a slave? And she says, tell her that the slug made me put it on. I didn't like it. So I killed him. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty simple. Yeah. Um, yeah, Yeah. That's what I loved about Carrie Fisher and Jamie Lee Curtis, too, getting in there not giving a anything face AF. by the way your editing and cats is gonna be fun uh, i've made a mental note <laughs> <laughs> i went in there planning that. <laughs> uh but yeah so we're getting into spoiler territory um it was han you were talking about right yeah so i wish they would have force ghosted him because they had set that up in Last Jedi, where Luke goes out there as his projection, and he says, remember, I'll always be with you, just like your father. And then for them to just flat out say, well, you're just my memory. It's like, you could have just given us that. All you had to do was make him green. Yeah. Like, just put that green haze on him, like Yoda, and everyone would have been like, oh, yeah. There are a lot of people who... Uh, who, this movie, by the way, it was kind of proving to be just as divisive, if not more, than The Last Jedi. Really? Yeah, it's got like a rotten tomato meter of like 52%. You said tomato. Tomato. Rotten tomato meter. <laughs> um, really, that's it, low. Yeah. Well, and a lot of people are just like, you played it too safe. And then there are people who are just like, you went back on what The Last Jedi did. Because like, you know, Luke secretly holding on to Leia's um, lightsaber and the X-Wing actually being actually working instead of uh being just like crashed at the bottom uh and then i'm just like i bet you were the same people who talked about how much you hated that the last jedi uh changed things in the force awakens um which just goes to show that i think star wars fans will never be satisfied and every star wars movie has always except for except for the first one has always been this movie sucks uh whenever it first comes out even empire strikes back 
Yeah. Um, so Star Wars movies, I don't think find their, <clears throat> I don't think find their footing until later on. I mean, now we have kids who are 10, 15 years younger than us who are like, I love the prequels. Stop talking bad about the prequels. Cause that's just what they grew up with. You right. know? You know, we love back to the future three. We were kids when that came out, you yeah. know? There's no reason. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this movie was really, um, I actually thought was most, what I really, I and really enjoyed was the relationship between Kylo Ren and um, Ray. My sister left the theater and she told me, I've been waiting for four years to see them kiss and I'm finally glad they did it. I was so mad. Yeah. Oh, Almost like flip a table mad they kiss. Yeah. But I think I'm in a I'm in a place right now just as a storyteller um, and as a person that I'm like, not everything. I, I, here's, okay, it's hard to explain. Not every kiss is romantic. Mm-hmm. And I didn't feel like that was a romantic kiss. I don't think so. I felt it more as just like, we need to have this final connection. This really big connection, like this, what what they just did was really big, mm-hmm. right? Like save the galaxy, like the Senator Palpatine, which we've seen since the real episode one. Yeah. Not even the first Star Wars, episode one. Yeah. Right? So this character that has been the true force of evil, they finally defeat. And, and then Kylo Ren saves Rey. Yeah. The same way that she saved him she saved him and she saved the snake yep um well i'm she gives part of her life force he just gave it back yeah anyway and so to me that kiss was something else Mm -hmm. but i knew it was going to be taken as romantic yeah and right now i'm really interested and this might be because i'm i've been uh dealing with so much intimacy and the subtlety of intimacy and asking ourselves a lot of big questions. And to me, I I asked myself, I was like, I feel like that was like, if they would have, like they were, they would take their clothes off just to feel closeness with that person and Uh not romantic. But it sucks because it's going to be taken as romantic. Mm -hmm. And I'm really bummed because I thought, I felt like that moment was like really big and like, it's, it's just like in a musical, you sing because you've literally run out of words. Yeah. You have to sing because it, words are not enough. That kiss was because there was not anything else to show or do, and I just didn't want it to be romantic. I'm just like over, I'm just over it. Now, brushing that part aside, because I totally see where you're coming from with that, uh, I just don't have anything else to add on it. Um, were you cool with the way that Kylo Ren's turn happened? Yeah. Yeah, I I was too. I wasn't sure if I was in the middle of it happening. But uh as it was as it kept going, I was like, okay, I believe this. And I I will say And I believed it. Yeah. I will say too, with the whole Han Solo scene, I did love how they ended it. Because they ended it in the perfect Han Solo way. The, again, the way the fans would want it. Where he was gonna tell him either I'm sorry or I love you, and he stopped and he was like, I know. Yeah. You you can't not like that. Yeah. Um I felt I felt like too for Kylo Ren, it 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 was really justified, mm-hmm. and it was clear. Yeah, it was clear, and like she didn't have to save him. No, um, 
Also, you know what I thought in that moment, that moment is what? what you've been saying about how if uh, George Lucas was a better writer, mm-hmm. this is something you think you saw on Twitter. If George Lucas was a better writer, uh, Luke Skywalker, because he held so much good and, and good and bad, just like in all of us. Uh, I think you mean Anakin. You said Luke. I think it's Luke. We talking about the whole prequel thing that I brought up the other day? Was it prequel? I thought yeah. you meant Luke. No, it it was it was the prequels with Anakin. Go for it. So tell it, the people. George Lucas almost made some really powerful Star Wars prequels. I just don't think that he was. I'm not gonna say a good enough filmmaker, but he wasn't the filmmaker to realize it there, because the whole thing about Anakin bringing balance to the Force that didn't necessarily mean that he was going to be a Jedi. Uh, the prequel set up the Jedi to be this weird religious order that kidnaps children and forces them to not have any emotions. Uh, and then the Sith are just like r- super annoying libertarians who, wanna, uh, who no want to who want to kill everybody. Yeah, no government. And then they're willing to wipe out an entire planet to do it. Correct. Um, so Anakin Skywalker having equal good and bad and equal capability for both of them. Well, I'd say light and dark. Yeah, light and dark, yeah. Uh, he should have been able to go back and forth between them and realize, hey, the Jedi is doing, are doing things just as bad as the Sith are, just in a different way, and bring balance to the Force that way. Uh, like That's what balance to the Force could have meant. And George Lucas planted all of those seeds in there. He just didn't follow through with those. Instead, we got things like, uh, like uh, Padme dying of a broken heart, being a perfectly healthy Natalie Portman in her prime 20s. I know. Well, and to me, it's almost the same with Luke. Yeah. Because Luke, if you like, you see it in the right uh, in the Last Jedi, uh-huh. it, him going through and murdering everybody. Well, you know what I mean. Yeah. He had this this equal capability with light and dark, and they had, we've built up this darkness is just that the Sith is bad, which the Sith are bad. Yeah. The Sith are bad. Hmm. Um. What everything they are doing is bad, and the resistance I think is different than the cult of Jedi's. Right, um, I will give it that, um, which we what we see from episodes four on. Yeah, um, but I just thought that was really interesting, and that's kind of what I was thinking about Kylo Ren uh-huh. is that moment of bringing balance, and I think that's what Kylo Ren and Ray were successfully did is bring actual balance. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, and those are points that, uh, both Rogue One and Last Jedi showed great is that people are capable of both good and evil. Uh, just because you're raised to think these are the good guys doesn't mean they actually are. And people can still mess up and be redeemed. I love Rogue One. Rogue One is great. I openly wept at the end of Rogue One. I know. (laughs) There was the, uh honest trailers of that where they introduce it and like in a bunch of new characters who you may not want to get too attached to (laughs) man when they when they killed the droid uh, i couldn't do it anyway um yeah i thought that a lot of people like i said a lot of people are mad because they're like you know well last jedi set up all this and uh rise of skywalker didn't uh didn't actually follow through with that i think it did just not in as pointed of a way as people would have liked to see. Yeah. Um, I didn't feel that there was really anything that I can think of right now that J.J. Abrams put in there that just contradicted The Last Jedi. He just... Like straight up contradicted? Yeah, just straight up contradicted. There were things in there that he didn't go down, that he didn't... The pathways that he didn't go down. Like, you know, the broom boy at the end of The Last Jedi. Right. Um, 
there was a part of me that would have liked to have seen Benicio del Toro come back. Yeah, but I've also would have been I was didn't miss him. No, I didn't miss him either. But uh, you know, there were just things like that. But again, there were safe choices. Knowing going into it, knowing that there were going to be safe choices, I was totally cool with it. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed it. I yeah, we got to see John Williams have a cameo. Yes. Uh, speaking of music, because we didn't really touch on music, except, again, I thought it was a great score to bring all these different themes and three and a half hours worth of music in. But also, I have a friend who did one of the songs on this movie. You sure did. I did. Uh, Ricky Tinez. Uh, I met him when I worked at uh, at Novation. His name's Enrique, but, you know, any anybody who's a synth geek like me knows him as Ricky Tinez because he's got an awesome awesome YouTube channel where he does synth reviews. He goes through his setup uh, and then he just does like, he just posts some of his music up there too. Um, but JJ Abrams is a huge synth nerd. Um, you remember about 10 years ago, Andy Samberg did that cool guys don't look at explosions. Uh, yes, of course I do. And then JJ Abrams is on there and he's doing a keyboard solo. So he, he he's actually a composer in his own right. Like I think he, uh, I want to say he co-wrote the theme for Felicity, uh, which he also created. Uh, he wrote the opening theme from Lost, which is just like that really ambient, like eerie type of thing. Uh, and then I think back in like the early 80s and 90s, he also wrote music for a couple independent films. But big synth nerd. To prove that, the planet Kijimi that they go to, uh, to wipe or to get C3PO's memory thing done, Kijimi is the name of a synthesizer. It's awesome. Yeah. But I don't know how he, how Enrique got hooked up with him because uh, I haven't talked to him in a while. But I imagine that J.J. Abrams just knows him from his channel. Is just like, hey, you want to come do this track? So there are two non-John Williams tracks in this movie. Uh, one of them he did with Lin-Manuel Miranda, who he also did two tracks with uh, in Force Awakens. And then the other one is J.J. Abrams and Ricky Tinas. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, so super proud of him for that. Uh, I mean, he doesn't need my pride, but you know, he gets it anyway. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I, you know, I don't really... I. Um, I was bummed uh, to go back to the because really my only beef was just like why didn't we make Han Solo green? Yeah, um, and then uh, Carrie Fisher disappears in the same manner in which uh-huh. uh, Luke did, um, but we don't see her back. We do. The last shot of the movie. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So here's here's the thing. First of all, one one thing I want to say is whenever. Uh, Whenever Palpatine says, you know, I am all the Sith, and Rey says that she's all the Jedi, uh, all the voice cameos that they had in there. Yeah. They had some people who are like from the show Star Wars Rebels, which I've never seen, uh, and a couple, like, I think from the Clone Wars, but they also had uh, Samuel L. Jackson in there mm-hmm. uh, playing Mace Windu. They had Obi Wan Kenobi using both Alec Guinness and Ewan McGregor. Uh, and then they also had Hayden Christensen doing Anakin Skywalker. I loved that. Yeah. Uh, but at the end, apparently, so the end of the movie I think is really powerful. Yeah, I and agree. I I really liked the end of this movie. Yeah. Um, but uh, whenever she sees Luke and Leia as the in the Force, uh, they were like, "Well, she just heard all these other Jedi. Why don't we see all of them? Why don't we bring Hayden Christensen back for this? You know, and why don't we bring Ewan McGregor? Which Ewan McGregor is getting his Obi Wan TV show for Disney Plus, and I'm really excited about it. Yeah. Um, but they said. Mainly because we didn't want to take it away from being Carrie Fisher's moment. Oh, yeah. And yeah, Luke never took her to Tatooine, 
but Ray buries both of their sabers and Luke appears to her, it would make sense that Leia would. But if we have everybody else, it's not about giving Carrie Fisher her moment. It's about it's about look at all these cool Jedi cameos. Yeah. Cuz I wondered that in the movie. It's like why don't we see anybody else? Why don't we see Ben Solo? Yeah. But uh I was hoping we would. <clears throat> yeah, I know. I wanted to see Allie Goodness. Yeah. Oh man. So they're on Tatooine and she's burying the sabers. Uh-huh. And the old woman came up. Mm-hmm. I thought that was Aunt Beru. You did? I did. I was like, oh my God, did Aunt Beru not die? <laughs> Last time I saw her, she was a charred skeleton. <laughs> they and made a toy of it. I, know, I was like, blue milk. <laughs> like, I was like, so... I knew I was wrong, but I was so confused. But it was the last shot with Ray in the sunset, just like Luke. Uh-huh. It was great. And I love that she made her lightsaber out of her staff. Yeah. Yeah. And it was that beautiful gold. Uh-huh. Why do you think she buried the other two lightsabers? Uh, I, th- I mean, my only guess is that it's her forging her own path. And she took the name Skywalker as a tribute to Luke. But she... Um, but she didn't need to hold on to their possessions anymore. She has her own and she can go on to her own path. That's true. Um, and she is the first of the new breed of Jedi. Right. So, you know, I would like to see what else happens with Rey. I don't think we're going to see that because they have said that this is the last of the Skywalker saga. At least until another 15 years later when they make another one. And it's going to be, where's Rey? We need to find Rey. Oh, here she is in the last 30 seconds. Yeah, either or. Yeah. I, I, however, am a big fan of let fan fiction take it. Yeah. Um, and, and I know there are a lot of fans who are upset about that because they they took so much out of the canon uh, <clears throat> with like the uh, with all the books and the games and the old TV shows and everything like that. Uh, again, I kind of put that up as people just being mad that it's not the movie they wrote in their head. Yeah, but there's there's so much Star Wars stuff. I mean, we've not seen Mandalorian. We've like there's so much opportunity, and the and the universe is naturally big. Yeah, you know they they literally galaxy jump like mm-hmm. like yeah everybody. Now, one thing I will say about this is that uh, they did they gave at least one moment of like you you know whenever you hear. Whenever you happen to be unfortunate enough to be in a conversation with my friends and I where we're talking video games Mm -hmm. and we talk about DLC, like the downloadable content after the fact, they kind of did that in this movie in one scene in particular. So they brought back Lando, which was cool. And I liked how they brought back Lando. Lando was pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, Especially, especially after having seen Donald Glover play Lando, which I still want to see Donald Glover do more Lando. I do too. Whatever they do, they're probably not going to do any more young Han Solo movies, but I would like to see Donald Glover do more Lando. Um, but the, uh, the storm, the ex stormtrooper who makes the charge with Finn. Yes. Uh, they, uh, at the end, you know, they're sitting down and then Lando looks over to her and be like, where are you from? And she's like, I don't know. And he's like, well, let's find out. And I knew what they were inferring there is that that was probably Lando's daughter. Uh, but apparently they're like, well, if you buy this Star Wars encyclopedia, it actually tells what happened there. And it's like, you DLC'd us just a little bit. Yeah. But I was like, please don't give us a whole series. Yeah. It, it kind of like how now it's like, you know, now we have uh, we we have WandaVision, which is Marvel's uh, Scarlet Witch and the Vision TV series. Yeah. And you're like, no, stop it. Yeah. Um, oh, gosh. There was another part of the movie that I wanted to talk about that was really good. Oh, shoot. Oh, 
you know what I kind of picked up in this movie and maybe it's just me but like so we have our first um we have a lesbian kiss yeah um in this movie I should just say maybe gay I don't know I don't I don't want to discredit it same same sex kiss same sex kiss and I I really liked that it, it was what it was. And yeah. I liked that some of the barriers on relationships have kind of gotten lower on these things. And what I mean by that is that there was physical connection and physical yeah. affection between people. It, like it happened between Finn and Poe. Mm-hmm. Uh, it happened with all three of them at the end. Yeah. There's a lot of like just physical connection whereas in the original series it was like luke and leia and they ended up being brother and sister mm-hmm. so we have to pretend that you know they didn't kiss each other earlier yeah and then han obviously has you know is in love with leia and vice versa uh-huh. so that's always that that dynamic mm-hmm. and th- like i felt like the quality of touch between these performers was so intimate and so special oh yeah um and throughout this is throughout the movie and again that's kind of where i was feeling when that kiss between kylo ren and and ray happened is it felt more than just like this uh-huh i want to take your clothes off kiss it yeah. was like life or death kiss yeah like just there was a lot of moments like that and i thought that like the i, I just i i found that really you wonderful they really did a good job in this movie of just showing the characters how they need each other. You know, uh-huh. it's kind of like what we always talk about when we rewatch Parks and Rec is that it's just it's just nice to watch a show where like everybody likes each other. And then Jerry uh, that that's been grinding on me lately. So, yeah, let's not I like Jerry's like the best. Yeah. And when people are mean to him, it makes me <laughs> so upset anyway. Um but like they do, they do a great job of just showing how they need each other. There, there's a great moment between Poe and Finn where you know because everybody's kind of had it like been buttoned up against each other, button heads and everything. And then Poe comes to Finn, and Finn comes to Poe, and Finn had is like you know this droid just told me something I need to tell you. And then Poe's like, listen, we haven't been getting along, but I need you here with me. And then Finn's, you know, but it. Thank you for saying that. Of course I will. And then he goes right back into it. And it's just like a genuine moment of like, oh yeah, that's what two friends would do with each other. Right. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. Apparently, uh, Oscar Isaac was totally down for, because they, a lot of people were like, I think Finn and Poe are into each other. And Oscar Isaac was totally down for it, but apparently Disney wouldn't go for it. Lame. Yeah. Again, this is a safe movie. Lame. Anyway, um... I do want to say my dad, uh, we were walking in the car and he goes, oh, I almost started crying when I thought Chewie died. I know. I couldn't handle it. Uh, Like no pomp and circumstance. Just, but there was something about it though. There was like this, what I, what I loved about that moment is, oh, no one is safe. Like this is, this is the end. Mm -hmm. This is the end. And when he wasn't, I was. Beyond well, grateful because I don't think anybody could handle it. But what, what I yeah, I mean, I was grateful because I didn't want to see Chewie die. But also, it gave it a good moment of being like, no, we're gonna go do this stupid thing because our friend needs us. Yeah, um, which I thought I thought was just great. Uh, and then when Chewie gets his medal at the end, I loved it. I know. Uh, there, I mean, there were so many moments in this movie. Let's that I just really talk liked. real quick, um, and then let's wrap it up because again, th- this is we liked this movie. So we're just going to say things we like. Yeah. Um, but um, I want to, s- we all know that the resistance was going to get some sort of 
bigger ending than it, you know, uh-huh. when you, when it cuts around and I mean, everyone has died at this point. Yeah. And it's awful because you've gotten to know a lot of these characters, especially in the movie, in this mm-hmm. specific movie. And then the, ga- and then everyone shows up. Yeah. How is that for you? That was a great moment. Uh, it, on, honestly, it reminded me a lot of an end game whenever it's like a dark moment, then fighting Thanos and all of a sudden you hear Falcon be like, Hey cap on your right. And then everybody comes in. I mean, I felt probably the same way that I did in Endgame, where I was like, this is, th- this is just amazing. This is an amazing moment that I'm experiencing right now. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I liked how they'd spent, they'd spent pretty much two movies at that point. Cause they don't really talk about it in the movies themselves, but it, like in the Force Awakens novelization, it really goes into how the resistance is really small, and Leia is basically a pariah in the in the Galactic Senate. Yeah, uh, because she keeps saying there's something happening, and I'm doing this, and nobody wants to get behind her. And then of course they the First Order blows up that planet. Uh, but um, they spend the, the entire movies kind of building up. It's small, it's small, and of course in the Last Jedi, most of it gets decimated. Uh, and then it's like, but no, there's hope. People will come for us. People will come for us. And it was such a great payoff moment there. And the fact that, you know, it was Lando who'd been working behind the scenes this whole time, who brought everybody together. Uh, the fact that we got to see Wedge Antilles again. Uh, and the fact that everybody's just like, yep, we're doing this now. And I loved the fact that like they didn't have, it wasn't a Death Star moment. It was, oh, we have these hundreds of ships that can all destroy planets. Uh, it's, it's basically the end of Independence Day. We just got to take them out as many as we can. Yeah. And everybody was down. It wasn't to be like, well, if we do this one thing, then we win. It's just like, no, we don't know if we're going to win. We don't know if we're going to survive this even. But every single one of those that we take down is one planet saved. Yeah. And I just thought that was, I thought they played the stakes very well there. Yeah. Yeah. I really loved when... So when the resistance comes in to start the fight, like the fact that it almost backfires immediately, but yeah. they don't, they persevere, but you see everybody dying and it's, mm. it's, it's horrific because what JJ Abrams did a really good job of is everybody in an airplane mm-hmm. or in some sort of craft. Yeah. You knew them and there was in some manner you knew well, all of those characters, even in the tiniest ways. Yeah, well, like there was uh, Greg Grunberg's character. Uh, I can't remember his his name, but Greg Grunberg from Heroes, and he was on the pilot episode of Lost. He's apparently one of J.J. Abrams' best friends. And so that's why he was... Is in this the, the white guy with the beard? Yeah. Uh, so he was in Force Awakens playing the same character. He wasn't in Last Jedi, but he came back here. And then whenever he dies, you know, that's somebody who was like, well, I've known him since the beginning of this trilogy, you know? Yeah. It's crazy to think that this trilogy is already over just because we're used to Star Wars movies happening every three years. So that's like a decade for the trilogy to happen. And now it's been like, oh, it's only been six years. I know. Yeah. Or five years at this point. But I loved it when then it just flashes and you see all the ships from the galaxy. Uh Uh-huh. And... They're all different shapes and sizes. Yeah, and it, it's genuinely a rebel fleet as opposed to, you know, it. it's the Minutemen coming, you know? Yeah, and that was really, that was really cool. Yeah, I, I had no problems with the end of this movie at all. No. Uh, 
I saw on Twitter somebody posted uh, they did an edit of Ben running to save uh, Ray and like you know shooting people and jumping over things and swinging down things and then whenever he grabs the lightsaber and the Knights of Ren who were his followers surrounding him and he shrugs and starts uh, fighting them they did it to that song I need a hero (laughs) that's amazing it works so well I did love that fight yeah I loved the the even before he got the lightsaber. Yeah. That whole moment. And I thought thought that it was a lot of build up between the connection between Ray and Kylo Ren. Uh-huh. Like knowing like when she did that it was like, "Oh shit, he doesn't have he doesn't have a lightsaber." And knowing, "Yes, he does." Yeah. They, like they they set that up very well. And it was like you knew it, but then when you saw it, it was just like, yeah. "Yes!" that really paid off and I loved that fight also because what what tends to happen in hero fights is the hero doesn't get a lot of punishment uh-huh. and before he got the lightsaber Kylo Ren took a lot of punishment Yeah, and he still took a little bit when he got the lightsaber mm-hmm. but also he had uh, it upped the ante right he's gotten you know he's gotten the snot beat out of him yeah now he can't anymore yeah because he's unleashed and I think that's that's an example of really good fight storytelling. Yeah. And yeah. It, it reminded me a lot of the fight in The Last Jedi uh, when they were in the throne room. Yeah. Uh, and I thought that was a great fight. That was a pretty fun fight. Th- those two fights, I think, were the best fights in... I, actually, you know what? The the centerpiece fights in all three of these movies have been great. Uh, in The Force Awakens, when they were in the forest, and then it's Re- it's uh, Ren and Finn fighting with a lightsaber, and you think that it's setting up to where Finn's going to be uh, a new Jedi, and then Rey grabs, Force grabs it and then continues the fight. That was great, also because it was another moment of, like, these people need each other. Um, also, with that fight, I was talking to um, a friend of mine, uh, Luke LaFontaine, and he is a, is a really great fight choreographer. And what what's interesting about that, it, it mimics um, like a German longsword kind of fight mm-hmm. uh, with people who don't know how to fight. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was interesting. Like, they were both, like, really green. Um, I, I will say the fighting of Ray as an arc kind of tended to be emotional. Yeah. All, like, it tended to be that um as it continued on and i would say well that's not my favorite but again like what am i going to do about it yeah yeah i mean because it didn't ruin anything no i think ray for whatever reason got stuck with the more uninteresting aspects of lightsaber fighting throughout this trilogy yeah uh for whatever reason that was um what i loved about the finn and kylo ren fight is the fact that finn obviously didn't know what he was doing and kylo ren was just angry yeah uh and so that was that was a really interesting fight. Yeah. Uh, and but then Adam Driver. Yeah. The dude knows how to act. Mm-hmm. And like when he's when when any time that Kylo Ren was gonna come and murder you. Yeah. He was coming to murder you. Yeah. Like you like you were going to die. Mm-hmm. Like I just that he's he's great. Yeah. Uh. But no, like the the climactic fight here, and then the throne room fight in uh, Last Jedi. Madison's bumping up against the microphone stand again. Uh, what I liked about him is that there were so like it wasn't just a lightsaber fight. There were so many weapons going on that it just added this extra visual interest of not only having to fight a bunch of people, but also like having to fight a bunch of different styles. Yeah. Uh, like in the Last Jedi, whenever they had that one guard who had like 
who had like that blade whip thing and was almost it was almost that almost reminded me of the fight and kill bill yeah uh, but yeah, no, I, I really liked that one. I liked how they had the payoff of, you know, force swapping the lightsabers. Uh, I liked how they had the emotional payoff of how she defeated Palpatine. Uh, my sister even came out and she's like, I did not expect him to die so gruesomely. And that was pretty gruesome for a Star Wars movie. Yeah. But I, you know, I didn't say this to your sister, but it was like, he had to, he mm-hmm. was the, he was the force of evil from one to not. To one nine. Yeah. Right? Whether we saw him or not. Um, he ha- It had to. Yeah. Um, couple of questions. So just in terms of like resolving story points that they teased in Force Awakens. Uh, were you fine with the reveal of Snoke? How Snoke was just a clone of Palpatine? I mean, sure. Yeah. It, it had no bearing on it. They kind of brushed past it so fast. Yeah. Um, were you fine with the reveal of Ray's parents? Um, Liz, it, 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 it is what it is, and it was the story point they chose. I'm far more interested that she was just special. Yeah. Um, I, you know, knowing that she's Palpatine's granddaughter was neither here nor there. If anything, I was just like, really? All right, whatever. Yeah. Like, whatever. Uh, I was far... I. But I thought it was really heartfelt for what they did. It felt very, uh, it felt very similar to just a lot of the story that you, that Star Wars is. There's a mm. lot of orphans. Yeah, I, uh, I kind of wish they would have, they would have kept it to where Ray's parents were just nobodies and said, "Well, I didn't." They they pulled the so what I told you was true from a certain point of view. Yeah, uh, I. It's like, you know, well, they chose to be nobody because they didn't want your grandfather getting his hands on you. Um, that's fine. It didn't ruin it for me, but I could have still done without it. I gave a hearty eye roll. Yeah. And then I was just like, whatever, let's go. Yeah. Because I, be, I knew that if I were going to be bummed out about it, the rest of the movie was going to suck. Yeah. Like they, they let on that like, well, we'll get on board because this is the story that we're telling. Yeah. Uh, I didn't feel any sense of catharsis knowing that answer. No. And honestly, I think that's what Ryan, that's what Ryan Johnson knew is that you're not going to be satisfied no matter what. Right. Um, so, so yeah, but I, uh, I think, I think we should probably start calling it here. I feel a little talked out. I do too. Um, we also just did two episodes back to back. That too, and this do- this fifty pound lap, lap dog is. Uh, yeah. Well, I f- think I think it's time for them to get some puppy Prozac. Oh well, they've been pretty good. Let's see if we can. I'm I'm fine with not drugging our dogs. Yeah, we have puppy Prozac uh, prescribed because someone who is short and gray, who's in my lap for the past two hours, uh, barks so much that she bursts the blood vessels in her eyes, mm-hmm. and because she does that, she stresses her big brother out <laughs> it's a vicious cycle but I, we're doing okay so far you're right we're doing okay so far the boom booms outside are okay we're gonna continue to be calm so would you recommend people see this movie 100 percent. me too I and you could see it honest to goodness you could go see this movie without seeing any of them yeah i mean that's the good thing about star wars is they all have the opening crawl yeah you just and you just go see it it is it's an adventure movie yeah I really liked it. I can see why people might have been disappointed in it, but I think that 
any way that you would have been disappointed in this movie, it's not worth being disappointed about. I agree. I think that if you're willing to just give it up and go have fun, then you're going to enjoy this. And if you actively decided to see Cats instead of this movie, <laughs> I'm going to judge you. Or if you saw Knives Out over this movie, how would you feel? It's hard because Star Wars is a spectacle and Knives Out isn't. But, I mean, I would say make a day of it. There's no reason why you should skip Knives Out. Spoiler alert for next week's episode. Uh, and there's no reason why you should skip out on this Star Wars movie. If you, Especially if you like Star Wars, you're going to like this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do and you, again, like just if anything feels frustrating, just take a deep breath. Because mm-hmm. uh, sometimes, it, like when, like a few of these things that I was just like, really, really, yeah. I just took a deep breath, and it paid off a little bit better than I thought it would. Yeah, just in general, it doesn't linger on the things that make you eye roll. Yeah, I mean, because that is the thing about Last Jedi again with the whole casino planet thing and how just weird that whole plot line was. It lingers on there, so you have time to marinate in that, well, this this is just weird. Yeah. But this movie, it has so much to do. It's like, nope, we're coming in here with a purpose. And so you can get past things like that if you allow yourself. Yeah, agreed. Um, Yeah. So go see Star Wars. Uh, Stay tuned for next week whenever uh, we have Knives Out and possibly another episode. I haven't decided yet. Uh, and yeah, I've had fun talking movies with you all night tonight, Jess. I know. And happy 2020. 2020. This is literally one of the last things we're doing of the decade. I know. Isn't that weird? Yeah. I'm not ready for it. I know. Well. Well, there are a lot of things coming up this decade I don't know if we're ready for. Touche. Yeah. Touche. We've got some big plans for, for all of you. And we're growing our businesses and growing our outreach. So, uh yeah. yeah. All right. Well, Buckle up, everybody. Happy New Year. We can't wait to see more movies with you all. Till then, I'm Jess. I'm Jordan. See you next time. Bye.